Wow, he clapped. This is the preamble. Welcome to the show if you're watching on YouTube. I'm glad singing was never a career you pursued. Oh, um, Why have you left half the chicken there? What have you done? I'm eating it in bits. So firstly, Menace. I am getting back into <laughs> writing, mu- writing music again, which is good. So I will have to sing and stuff. Right, Mr. Macbeth was a naughty man. And do, secondly, do, 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 do. Michael is eating some delicious fried chicken that I brought him back from uh, my customer in Manchester today. My customer. So good. Yard and Coop. Shout out Yard and Coop, um, as always. That sounds naughty when you say customer, doesn't it? Customer, client, yes. I mean, you were talking about your OnlyFans career earlier, so... Man's got to make money somehow. I respect it. I respect it. I'm all for it. Support it. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, how are we? Good to see you both. I'm cold and it's miserable outside. I just took two layers off because I'm kind of hot right now. I've still got three on, you menace. Why are you so naked? I'm just a, I just run quite hot. Like, I'm a genuinely kind of warm... Yeah, I'm, I'm team t-shirt too. Team t-shirt. You are, some guy walked into the gym earlier that I was working at and uh, was uh, wearing shorts. Like, not dream shorts, but like denim shorts. Jorts. I feel that's, an, ol- I feel that's an Ollie thing today. I feel like he, because he's got perpetually tanned legs all the time, isn't he? Yeah, it's mad. It's, it makes me uncomfortable. That's coming from a man who's never seen a tan in his life. But he also has horrendous tan lines. Awful. <laughs> Over summer, he, took his, Ollie's tan he took his watch off and it was just horrendously bad. It's quite funny, though. I've got an annoying watch tan now. It's oh, very fucking because he's got such a big, so do, watch. I, so do I, guys, watch tan line right what is that? Why is that a big deal? Why are you making a fuss out of that? Because <laughs> I'm funny. Talking, talking of uh, gym activities, I wondered if I was a bit psychopathic the other day because occasionally I've noticed when I train and I put my headphones in, I never get around to putting music on. So I've got my headphones set on noise cancelling so I can't hear anything and I literally train in pure silence. In fairness, sometimes... <laughs> Is I that d- mental? <laughs> <Ew>. Sometimes <laughs> when I walk into the gym, I d- I'm not playing anything. It's just to stop people from... Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, to be Jason is a not he, not so much now, but pr- for many years he would just come into gym no headphones. If you raw dog the gym with no headphones, I'm saying like mm, something's wrong. Are I you okay? I don't mind no headphones if the gym's <coughs> got atmosphere, like good music and like plates clanging oh, no, and just then. angry bros knocking around. Uh, the same that when I was at Bridge Road, it had a lot of that, so it's kind of like it was alright. But you kind of get used to it, and I, then you put your own music on on the speakers that were blown. Oh, what is this shop? We have to start again, guys. We're going to have to start no, again. It's just like, I don't need a water bottle. Clap. That's a missed sponsorship opportunity. Oh, yeah. How are our sponsorships coming along? Well, I'll let you know when they come. Okay, cool. We all, we all need free mattresses. <coughs> so, um, yeah, I could do with a new mattress. And gym equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I'll think of some other stuff. Friends. Free friends. Free friends. Free f- um, <coughs> yeah, so I got an, uh, an email today. And it's big news, guys in relation to stuff that I've been doing this year. You're pregnant. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to be a mum. It is uh, mildly concerning news in the sense that I have... I've been accepted to run the London Marathon next year. We're going to come watch. Yeah, we're going to be the water boys. (coughs) So actually, instead of water, it's going to be jacked, the original formula. I I literally got the email like an hour ago, and I was like kind of pleased and shat myself. Do you have to do it charity, though? Yeah, so I have, because obviously I didn't get a ballot place, I applied for a couple of charities, and they've had one email back. I don't know if I'll get any from the others, but it's for the Guide Dogs for the Blind. Oh, that is such a good charity. If it has dogs, I'm all over it. Yeah. So, (coughs) assuming I pay them and see it through, I am going to be plugging the shit out of that on the podcast when is the it's next april so i've got time i've got a raise of two i've got a raise a minimum of two grand ah easy easy which which seems daunting but when i think about like so many like people i know and 
up ledge right here right now love that so anyway yeah a kiss gone from starting to run a little bit of 5k action in like february march time to committing to running a fucking full marathon so i want to see what your doctors look like afterwards because i reckon that you're gonna raw dog them with your bullsack it's gonna be so sore I reckon you have chafe. You have interesting, you're vaseline. You're interesting hips. You be water boy. I'll be vaseline. But, but just I, I run. I can run a half marathon in training, <coughs> so it's not a problem. Just run think. for longer. Yeah, it's fine. Just we run can for have longer. marathon chat then. Can't we? Yeah, well, I was thinking we can. <coughs> we can. I don't know. We could. I mean, especially in the new year, people always get into running, don't they? Like in January to five k. That was a big one. Yeah, so maybe maybe January February we could do a bit of run chat. And maybe we could get someone who knows a bit about running. Yeah, I can't something. wait to have no input on that. Look, I'm just bringing more stuff to the table. At least I'm take. At least I'm c- like competing in things. What are you competing in, Harold? Life. Well, life. <laughs> the date that I'm not going to publicly disclose is your looks bodybuilding like, show. It looks like it's going ahead. Is that oh. is that next year? Well, what what segment of next year? Give us a quarter. Well, give us a month or something so we can at least have a Q1, um, Q2, Q3. Do you know the quarters? Do you know yeah, how it works? I'm not gonna. I don't. Oh give come on, a, man! Don't be a dick about write it. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. And what show is us. your it's around eight. Mine's in April. April what? Roughly. Oh, I, I it must be in April. No, it's not. It's, it's in it's April. Th- it's definitely in April. Harry, right? Yeah. No, right, I'm not telling right you. on the piece don't of paper. Worry, I'm not because I'm not going to tell him because I don't want anyone to come. Uh, no. I'm not allowing anyone to come. Do you Can think you, I'm not going to be looking up? You think you you want us to there? Come on, we. No, you're we've not coming. Been through everything you, with you. You're not coming. No one's coming. Don't be like the that. The only person who's allowed to come is my coach. Because I'll be Waterboy again and Chris can be Tan Man. Trend, trend Man. Trend, trend Man, yeah. <laughs> can I, I'll do the tan patting down thing that they always do. With oh, I'm gonna get, I, I'll fan you, fan you down. So it's sweating. probably within eight weeks of your marathon. Oh, sweet. Okay, fine. Okay. That's all you're going to know. Should be, well, at least we're both work, like, we've got to get Mike working towards something in the new year then. Or maybe opening a gym. Oh, oh yeah. That, that's my goal. That's my thing I'm doing. We did yeah. have someone on Q&A actually outright say can Mike's please start talking about the gym he wants to open oh we don't talk about that yet of course we can talk about oh, it oh go on then I thought I was trying to avoid it because I thought you could get in trouble no I don't get in trouble no, no. do you think anyone who works here Fair actually point. fucking listens to the podcast do you think anyone actually listens to the podcast that is another great question well we're, we're coming we're heading towards 20,000 total listens <laughs> that's actually quite a lot, that's that's actually a lot, quite a lot to it? Yeah. I thought you were going to say 20 I was like wow I've watched it 20 times gym, yeah, I listen to it every gym, night gym chat I mean at some point I'm sure we can it will start to be Teased in and out. Tease? What are you talking about? We've we've already done the only fans yeah. chat. That's true. No, I mean, tag me in. I've changed my name yeah. to Fartin Martin. You said this last yeah, time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. Do you know what I'm going to do? Ask me what my, my niche is going to be. We can't stay on topic, can we? I don't want to see your niche. <laughs> oh, no one does, to be honest. Always oh, life. <laughs> we have fun. Uh, what we're else is new before we get on to the nitty gritty of today's show? Three best friends that anyone could have with three best friends that... Chris hates me. I know he does. I can smell it today. It's fine. Uh, I don't know what else has happened in life. Not a lot, really. It's just... I don't know. It's just existing. At the I'm going to leave my job and open a gym next year. That's what I'm doing. Oh, good. Dro- oh, he's... That's proper. He's dropped the bombshell. Yeah. He's top-geared it and he's dropped the bombshell. It's like grown-up talk, that is. <laughs> wow. Should we talk about investments? Anyone have to spend lots of money? Yeah, do, we want to come do you have a million pounds to spend on a gym? Could imagine what you don't even need a million. I'll be happy with a ten p at this point. Oh, I give you that. Yeah. Um, well, imagine if we had. Imagine if we had a million pounds to open a gym. Oh, I forgot. What good gym that would be? It would actually be a very good I gym. Can for donate, donate this to the cause. What flavour? Ah, punch. Is this a? Have you had this before? I have had that one before. Oh, fuck. Why no, it's I... nice though. 
Because I thought, because I ordered it from an American Wait, site, so I thought it might not have been over fruit, here. Fruit punches. I've had it once before. So I was endeavouring to bring, because I brought you the Monster Energy coffee drink last that was time. You can't get that here, can you? No, no, no. no. Okay. Pacif- what, what is, what, what's so p- specific about that punch? Yeah, what's, uh, maybe it's the way people, instead of people saying specific. Maybe. maybe it's just got this salt water in it. A gift from me to Mike. What uh, f- Mike, what flavour is it? Like, what actual flavour is it? It says it's a silly flavour. It says fruit juices. I love that from them. Please don't drink that now, given the time. It's like 20 past It has seven. so many different fruits in it. Well, extracts of. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, let's, are we doing business now? Are we getting down to the nitty gritty? We passed the preamble. Are we, we going to say a, so? Any other amusing like topics of discussion before we get serious? I don't know, really. I think I peaked with the crack story last week, the last episode. <laughs> that was a good story, actually. Thank you. That is a good Thank story. Thank you. Save it, for the, save it for good times. Yeah. Keep it offline for obvious reasons yeah. until now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't get any message about that, surprisingly. Oh, no, one person said, are you okay? I was like, no, I am actually okay. Yeah, um, that was really funny. Yeah, that wasn't a cry for help. No, it was also 13 years ago, so. Good is stuff. It go time. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it actually is go time. Oh, Push. I was going to mention... People who shadow shadow box in gyms between sets that aren't actually boxers. I can name someone right <laughs> now, and not from this gym. I know from someone from our gym, and I remember this because we actually became friends with him. His name was Pierre, and, and he, he taught was, you to box, did he? And I remember I was in the gym, and he's there shadow boxing aggressively in the mirrors at Pulsate. You remember the glory days? Uh, and then it turns out I actually ended up going to a house party. This was so many years ago. I ended up going to a house party. It was his house party. We then became friends. Messaged me on Instagram. I haven't heard from him for a long time, but he's he used to speak to him a lot at Pulsate in the end. Really nice guy. And I used to know him as so the what, shadow boxer. What we're saying is, if you see someone shadow boxing, don't judge. I mean, it's not <laughs> something I would do personally, but <laughs> if you want to shadow box in the gym, do it. Just don't accidentally whack someone in the face. You're probably going to be in trouble for that. Yeah, fair enough. If I get clapped in the jaw, I'm going to be pretty livid. Clapped. On that note... Good evening, everyone. Good evening, young men. I feel really chaps. awkward when that's playing because I just sit here just existing. You know, like news presenters sit there. Shuffling going the papers. Like going, yeah. And they pretend to talk about things that don't really matter. I think the best the best one is at the end of like the ITV news. And <coughs> they always have like, they gather their papers. Um, I saw another one like, like polishes glasses at the end of it and stuff. And then another one wrote something down on a piece of paper and then put his pen away in his pocket. And I thought... This is so. Do you, do you reckon there's like some kind of insider thing where it, like yeah. it's a bit of a joke where they're like, see what random thing you can get away with this week? Well, where they're just sat there, end, da, end of a the thing, they're like, da, da, oh, da, yeah, very nice, yep, yeah, they're very good. And milk, then bread, they drawing go, a drawing mm, a cock. Yeah. It's a willy. I knew you were going to draw <laughs> a, a cock. It's a willy. Yeah. I'm very funny, thank you. Anyway, uh, this is episode 17 of Pump Fiction, and we're all here, and we're all together. Sadly, uh, it's um, him, Michael Carter. It's him, Harry Moore, and it's him, him. Pointing at myself, Chris D. Fellows. <laughs> in the third person. Oh, it's been a long day, chaps. It's been a long day. Is um, it? You, you've had a long day. You've been up and down. Yeah, you've been all over the country. I'm a busy man, but I'm still here committing. 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 I wouldn't committing. give up on this. Hashtag committed. I mean, we've been on a bit of a roll for the last episode. Third, or two. third episode in correct sequence. Let's keep that running, shall we? And mm. <coughs> all done before I go away again on Sunday. 
You're going away this Sunday? Yeah, oh we had this discussion God. already. I'm going away on Sunday. When are you back? Uh, it, ten days after that, which means we're uh, back on the Wednesday morning, so then we can record the podcast the Thursday. Guess where I am that week? Where? In Turkey, remember? So I'm back on the 19th. Oh, you, so you're causing yet more hiatus. <laughs> I, I told you this weeks ago, you penis. <laughs> aggressive. Well, that was quite aggressive. Very thought, aggressive. I thought we were going to try and get a sneaky episode in next week, but I thought you were away. Look. I made sure I structured it to make sure. We Basically, could... next episode off this one is coming out in three weeks or so. Forgive us. Fine. Okay. I mean, that's okay. We've alerted them to that fact. You're welcome. Maybe you could make a little best of using the first ten episodes season. But what if, if, none, what if it, none of it's good? So it's just empty. I don't want to hear it's that just again. Thirty <laughs> seconds of me talking about farting. Chris saying, "I hate you." Talk about the toilet, and then Mike going, "Your ageism." Okay. <laughs> abusing my abusing my age. Yeah. Rude. Don't bring that up again. Anyway, today was, wasn't it, on yeah. the record? I just want to point out. Today's show is a special edition bumper episode about one key subject, which is Harold. Uh, so it's Men's Mental Health Month, obviously November, November. If you want to clarify, I can't grow a moustache or any facial hair, so that's not happening. But yeah, we're going to talk about some deep things. I think we should probably like kind of chuck in a little pre-warning now, because we are going to get onto the topic of mental health and things that are probably going to qu- get quite potentially quite dark and quite personal i feel like a trigger warning is a fair shout just in mm. case so there will likely be elements of upsetting topics throughout this this podcast so if at any point you feel like this is not right for you right now or you're not in the right state to have this conversation listen, listen to, to the one of the older podcasts yeah. about fun and silly things Poos. bin us off and just just say you're not worth <laughs> my time because we're probably not good stuff. Yeah, prioritize your mental health instead of listening about listening to us waffle about ours I'd yes. like I'd like to preface this by saying that it's not like mental health awareness I think is vital and I'm completely open to talking about it. However, I feel like totally like a like almost a newbie in talking about it because I think that's part of the problem in the sense that I haven't haven't really had to sit down and talk about it with mm. anyone. So although I feel like I'm a sensitive open character who's happy to talk about their feelings and stuff, I've never had to to kind of do it in a serious unpack it, em- unpack well, it in a yeah. serious environment so that's kind of why i kind of suggested this topic in, in general because i feel like i think mental health is quite difficult to talk about at the best of times because you're really showing your v- most vulnerable self to those around you which no one really wants to do especially in men where it's particularly quite hard to speak about topics like this due to toxic masculinity whatever whatever else might be contributing therefore i kind of figured having three men who thrive in a masculine environment being the gym sit there and speak about feelings and things that men typically wouldn't speak about could be quite hopefully encouraging to uh furthering the conversation in the absolutely community. yeah we should, <coughs> we should always be facilitating furthering conversations so we're gonna get really uncomfortable and talk about some very horrible things okay well you can lead on that oh shit don't do that you're great at talking about really I horrible things i don't really <laughs> that is so rude maybe true i don't really know <laughs> where to start i think ultimately i think it's probably worth maybe just discussing I'll kind of just thoughts and opinions on the topic of mental health before maybe delving into personal experiences and sharing a bit about ourselves, if people are comfortable doing so. Well, I mean, I'm obviously the eldest of the clan. Again, he pointed out not me. I know, I don't care, but it's relevant relevant to the evolution of this topic, I think. Remember that next time I make a comment, please. I'm using it in re- I'm using it in reference to the relevance of the topic, obviously. Cause I'll his- note that down. <laughs> <laughs> like, Let's make a quick note of that. So oh. his- historically, growing up for me, I mean, I'm 38, just to clarify. Um, yep, all right, write it down. 30, Next to the penis, if you want. 48. 48. <laughs> that was definitely a four, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, 48, no, 38. And um, I think ultimately, what signs that you would 
acknowledged now as relevant to mental health historically would have just been like they wouldn't there's they wouldn't associate with mental health issues it would just be like brushed off essentially mm. as like oh, i was just having a bit of a bad day or mm. oh, i was probably just tired or like I are, don't you know. hung- are you hungry there, were, there was no there was yeah. no kind of space for especially yeah in, in in men to have that kind of like i don't know just to basically use it as an excuse for anything yeah. and mental health is it's not the word excuse sounds bad but it's more of a reason for why you are feeling a certain way whereas historically historically like no guy oh no not even men or women like like in the workplace for example i've been in and around business now businesses different companies for you know 20 years and never do you see never did i ever see like kind of mental health issues in the past people would obviously have their ups and downs and problems and stuff but it was never coined in that way so it's just like i don't know it's the way it's evolved i think had to happen i i completely agree i I think the reality is as obviously i'm 10 years younger than you but i kind of think we i think we had similar experiences in the sense that i didn't really understand or know about mental health until i was exposed to it not even personally i'd obviously dealt with anxiety and uh, mood issues like depression and whatnot for countless years but i never knew what they were i thought i was just sad and nervous and that's literally it but then i remember like the two big things that kind of triggered it for me i feel quite this is one of my big guilt surrounding mental health actually is how I responded to my mum dealing with depression because I didn't know what depression was. I'd never heard of the word depression. I was 16 years old. I didn't know about depression. And um, I walked in her just on the kitchen table, just literally face down, just crying her eyes out. And I was like, cheer up. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't comprehend how she was just sat my ass. I was like, what's wrong? She's like, I'm just, I feel like, I just, all I feel is sadness. I was like, but why? You have no reason to be sad. Just be happy. Because see, I didn't understand yeah. that it's, it's a problem. And that's a big guilt of mine. And that kind of, when I started identifying that shit, she was actually dealing with something, then even to this day, I'm like, you know, I feel like a bad person. And then the second instance was a year later. Well, you know, after like GCSEs and exams, everyone went to like Newquay. So that was obviously very popular. And we became friends with uh, a group from Manchester. <clears throat> we, shared, we shared like a, a postal thing with them, got really close, and we were going to go and see them. And there's one guy there called Eddie, who funny guy really lively is good dude we used, we got on really well i thought went to go meet him and then kind of heard a bit we all went a bit radio silent and then we got a random message saying uh by the way eddie's gone missing i was like why, why, has, he, why has he done that why, why have you gone missing I was like, how, how does that happen obviously not acknowledging something could have been going on and then a few days later get another message saying they found him three days later hanging from a tree in the park yeah. um and essentially what happened is this is relevant to the to the gym actually he got injured and lost i believe he got injured and lost a lacrosse sponsorship and he was or like scholarship sorry and he was really like good really good at lacrosse and that was his life and he got that taken away from him and he didn't really have a reason to go on anymore and then at the time obviously not knowing really much about suicide being like why why do you do that and then you identify later on when you start figuring out what mental health actually is mm. something I was like shit like I didn't really understand anxiety until remember Pat from Pulse 8 you remember he used to work at Pulse 8 yes uh, lovely guy we were just talking once and he spoke about anxiety to me I was like what's that and he goes oh I like just feeling him this way this way I was like oh my shit I was like I have anxiety I'm not nervous I'm actually anxious and then that's, the, that's when I realised yeah. that mental health was a thing then obviously I kind of explored it further and we went from there mm. but I think in this day and age, you can speak to kids 
9, 10, 11, 12 years old and they know about depression, they know about suicide. Unfortunately, I, I remember reading a statistic, I don't remember off the top of my head, so don't quote me on this, but I think like suicide in 10 to 14 year olds has like tripled in the last like 10 years. At 14 years old, I had no idea what suicide was. Like I said, I didn't know what suicide was until I was 17. You'd never even consider that as an option, as an option for anything. Like yeah. You'd have bad days at school or bad stuff going on in your <clears throat> life, but... But like yeah, getting to that point, you'd never yeah. what you'd never kind that age. you'd never mm. even contemplate not existing. Yeah, and then I I didn't really ever kind of, I guess like, see the the idea of not existing as a possibility until I no longer wanted to exist myself. And then I was like, no, I understand why people don't want to go anymore because that's exactly how I feel right now. Yeah. And then you're like, then that becomes a reality because I'm always a big believer in although everyone's experience is always going to be different. Like you could have depression i could have depression but we don't have the same depression but i feel like to better understand something you need to experience it so i don't know how if you break your arm i can imagine having a broken arm is really bad but i've never broken an arm so i don't really know how bad a broken arm really is whereas if i break my arm as well i have a better idea but your broken arm might be a bit different to mine so although i can understand i don't fully know you can empathize yeah, yeah absolutely and relate but and i think that's one of the uh the tricky things is I'm I'm glad it's becoming more of a conversation because I'm glad more people are being aware of it. But it's also further highlighted how much damage has been done through us, maybe the older generation, not knowing about it when we probably needed to, mm. if that makes sense. I think um, a lot of it, for me personally, comes from the parents. And I guess a lot of people have a similar thing where my parents <coughs> are very, not like crazy old-fashioned but particularly old-fashioned and it was just kind of like just get on with it kind of thing yeah and I think it's quite common and i think i think how you're you know how much love there is in a household will affect how you are dealing with feelings and emotions and stuff like you know my parents would argue a lot when i was a kid and just kind of that became a nor- normal thing like never like really really bad or anything but like just there wasn't i don't know we weren't a particularly sensitive bunch and we we still aren't but and that makes me like think it's probably like my mum always says she's surprised that me and my brother turned out the way we did because like we're very she considered us to be you know quite nice well-rounded human beings and stuff which is very nice yeah you're okay we're Mm. all right but um but i think yeah a lot of it can come from like that that's probably why my perception of, of mental health and everything's only really developed in recent years because like I'd never really grew up in a very emotional family environment, I suppose. Mm. I think I, I do th- I do think that the family environment has a massive contribute or contribution to mental health. I feel like a lot of my issues probably largely stem from my family. I think most like it's incredible how um the the effect that parent uh, how you're brought up as a child can very easily be linked to certain aspects of people's character yeah i think ultimately it's about it's a shame this conversation wasn't almost encouraged when i was young because i feel like i probably could have benefited and just speaking to my friends like like i've never actually talked about the podcast which is something i've never actually aired online before but i figured like it's just being honest if anyone said why do you say that literally just being honest so one of the big like issues i always had like obviously i don't speak to my dad anymore i don't have contact with my dad anymore if he listens to this and Tough shit, Jimmy. You know I mean? I'm just being honest. Um, I cut contact off with him because he had such a negative impact on my mental health throughout many years of my life, and he also did a lot of things I didn't wasn't happy with. Therefore, I've come to acknowledge that in my eyes, I don't have a dad anymore. It doesn't exist. I I, know I have I have a mum, and I only have a mum. Which is when I speak about parents, I will speak about my mum, and I won't speak about my dad. And one of the it all kind of started from when I was I was a kid. At ten years old, I walked in, and my dad's strangling his girlfriend, and I'm a bit like, 
shit. So my reaction was to grab a knife and try and stab him to save his girlfriend because obviously I loved it to bits. I saw her as a second mum. And then I think from that, not being able to verbalise it and almost deeming that to be normal behaviour, it then desensitised me to a lot of the other actions I saw my dad go through and perform and the things he did which he shouldn't have done, but also made me feel like, well, I didn't speak about it then, I don't need to speak about it now. And I feel like that's kind of like, my dad and mum divorced when I was like six. My dad cheated on my mum countless times, horrendous amounts of times, like could not tell you how many times. And he's done horrific things. Um, but flip around, he also did, as a dad, he did so he did, does, did some good things. I'm never going to take that away from him. Is that in a lot of cases when I needed some something or in certain instances, he would do what dads need to do and he'd like be there and protect. But flip around in other senses, like I said, he caused, I think, a lot of trauma in my life and a lot of heartache in my life. But he also didn't support me when I needed it emotionally, where there'd been instances where I'd been in a really bad place and the conversation would immediately get directed when I call him saying, I, I really need my dad. I think I want to kill myself. The conversation got immediately directed to him and his importance and that ultimately devalued me and my importance. Mm. And I think when you're kind of raising that or with that idea of that's how a parent will behave, whether he meant to or not, or whether he knew he was doing it or not, it's it, it's what happened. I think that almost like normalized, well, my problems aren't that relevant anymore. My problems aren't that important. So when I did go through periods of uh, depression, anxiety, the addiction, which my mum was oblivious to, um, I felt like I couldn't speak about it. And despite constantly speaking on YouTube about talk about your problems, talk to me, I don't speak about my problems. And active you still to this day, despite having a great support network like you two, like you've come up to me, asked me before how I've been. You've come up to me many times before, said something's not right, talk to me. And we have spoken, mm. but I'm incapable of just going to someone and asking for help. And I've been like that ever since school. Like my mum didn't really acknowledge like the or didn't know about the addiction until she found well till i stumbled upstairs and passed out and she walked in on me passed out on the floor an absolute state and called the ambulance and took me into hospital and then even then they didn't know about self-harm and this was in november 2018 they knew about none of that until i was in the hospital and then lying on a bed at god knows what time in the afternoon so nearly 12 hours after i'd been found passed out and i was covered in blood and had cuts all over my arm from when i'd gone to town with a big ass blade and then she was just like, shit, I didn't know anything about this. Mm. And then obviously when that happens, they bring in the crisis support team and all that stuff. And then immediately their kind of go-to there was, well, what can we do differently? And in that in that sense, like, I feel bad because it's like, I think that's probably one of the biggest contributing factors that almost slaughtered my kind of mum's confidence for a bit. Because for two weeks, I couldn't go to sleep on my own. Every time I went to bed, she, she'd stand in my doorway. She had, to, and she'd come check on me. She could not sleep. She'd cry constantly because at one point she nearly, whether it was intentional or not, nearly lost her son. And then when that happened again at the south of lockdown, she was in tears, floods yeah. of tears when I accidentally uh, overdosed on the, what I deemed to be Oxycontin, but was actually, I think, fentanyl. I, t I didn't, t I, luckily I didn't tell her because I wrote a message. I remember this because obviously I didn't mean to do it. Mm. I thought it was something else. Obviously I had a bit of a relapse after the addiction. And I wrote a big ass message saying, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. This was an accident. It was not your fault. It was not intentional. Please don't think it's your fault. And then passed out before I could send it, thankfully. Um, then woke up the next day just crying my eyes out, thinking, shit me, I thought I was dead. Mm. And I told her six months later, and she just bawled on the, like, literally bawled on the table crying. I was so like, well, one impact I've had on your life. Sorry. I was going to say, that must, <clears> like, <throat> it's one thing to for what you've been through in order to get to that point, but then for you to have to now look at it from your mother's perspective must make it even harder for you to know that you've put someone through that. Yeah, I, I think I feel a mass amount of guilt. And that's almost like, it sounds really stupid and literally it's completely illogical. But that's also a contributing factor to why I'm not very good at opening up about it because I don't want her to know. 
Because yeah. although she wants to support me, but I've already put her through so much shit where she's nearly lost her son twice. Yeah. Imagine, like, I can't do that to her again. Like, even now that I still have episodes of self-harm, which are pretty obvious when I wear a T-shirt, and it's just, it blips. Shit happens, like, it's not that frequently, but shit happens. It do you happens. feel like you don't want to burden people with your own shit, basically? Yeah, I think so. I'd rather be, like, it sounds stupid, but I'd rather be the helper than the one that needs to be helped. Because mm. I feel like in a lot of cases, I probably, I can help myself I think, quite comfortably. I think that's often a problem in that sometimes when your personality is associated with being the helpful one, mm. the strong character who guides other people and gives advice and so on, you start questioning your own ability to do that if you start exposing your own weakness. Absolutely. But flip around, I also think it was quite like, it sounds really stupid, but I always kind of deem like mental health struggles as a privilege to an extent of going through the shit made me then better empathise for people who are also going through crap, made me better understand how it feels to go through that, but also made me identify like almost a change in behaviours. So I think beforehand I might have been a bit more selfish. I've always had like quite an embedded care for people, like want to make people make sure, I hate people being sad, and I always make, want to make sure they're not sad and want to support people. But that, I think that further heightened it because one of the things I remember like kind of saying to myself after the initial addiction incident and an overdose incident was that, the the possibility of you dying before your parents is not really something you often consider. You always typically assume your parents are going to die first, which is which is I would say normal for lack of a better term. Of course, yeah. But then also because I then deemed that to not actually be a, a certainty, and there was actually an opportunity, especially in the headspace I was in, being very suicidal, that I might die before my mum. The big thing I wanted to do was then kind of like further enhance my behaviours so I could be like, whatever happens, if I do die before my mum, I just really want people to be able to say nice things to my mum at my funeral because at least her last memory of me will be positive. It's such a bizarre like <clears throat> thought process. It is, but it's also kind of carried me through today of when I behave a certain way, I've got to think, I mm. kind of often think what about... What people will say about you when you do eventually. Yeah, I, I always think like, God forbid I go through another episode and yeah. like, God forbid the episode wins this time. Um or wins successfully, I should say, what would they say about me and my funeral mm. if I behave that way? They, they say that about like people forget like what you did or what you had and they remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And that's like a really important, that's what, that's what I carry every day. When I, when I mm. do the things and say the things I do, I think I want people to feel a certain way about me when I'm gone. The legacy yeah. I've left, whatever small or big legacy that is, um, I want to make sure people have enjoyed spending time with me. I haven't been a burden to them because that's something I was identifying with both of your stories like with my family we grew up four people in a house and I would say that's as much as defined us as a family mm. that you know, my parents sat on opposite sofas they didn't hold hands like there was no affection in my house and I think that's why it's been a bit of a joke really amongst my friends where and ex-girlfriends um as well especially when it's like there's a thing I found really hard to, with is you can close off so quickly like I can be so like when I'm done with something, it's literally just like done. Yeah. And I think that's just because just I I, that's, I grew up with that. Yeah. Like as soon as my mum had had enough of my dad, um, quite frankly, I saw my mum close off and I saw how she literally just led this monk like life where she just almost, and I feel guilty for it now. She served our family until she got enough strength to leave. And, you know, I'm, my, my relationship with my dad, um, he wouldn't mind me saying this. We have a very, interesting relationship we're more like friends more than than i respect my dad like he's you know he's climbed out of the out of the pit a few times himself so it's i have respect for him that way but i'm kind of at an age now where i don't know i want to feel respected by him and i think that's that chip on the shoulder has helped me accomplish what i have and it definitely is why i always prefer being the underdog 
because I always had a point to prove. And I know that's something I'm definitely going to have to unpack as I get a bit older, or even now, potentially. Um, it's it's a struggle that I, I deal with, is, is I always feel like I'm not heard. Um, I've always had to push that. I've always had to push my voice. I always feel... I find it difficult sometimes to express how I feel because I was always overlooked. So I've always just kind of kept things to myself. Um, and definitely pushing stuff down is, is my coping mechanism. I just plug forward and just go for it. I think um, my, my, from personal experience, like I think my brother's the same. Like we're both very good at bottling stuff up. Yeah. And it just comes from the fact that whenever I have complained about stuff in life to my parent mainly my mother my don't bother talking like my parents are still together we're still a close family and stuff um we're not an emotional family as i said before like the only time like my brother's very sensitive and and stuff we're not emotional like in day-to-day life but let's if he's had a few drinks often he'll (laughs) he'll like soften up and especially by the end of the night he's like uh, it happens like maybe once a year he he has a few too many drinks and then like he's really like like you know yeah. I, l- I love you all that sort of stuff which is great um i mean the fact that we can't do it more often is is annoying but that's just just how we've been brought up I to suppose. hear it though is is nice yeah, it is nice yeah, yeah. And we, you know we always it's always usually when we've had a few drinks that we get like that because ultimately we've both been through that upbringing together and frust- like mild frustration like i remember a couple of years ago my brother was we were out and we'd had a few drinks and everything. My brother was like, like, we don't really, like, we don't really know our father. Like, although he's been there through our whole lives, like he created the business I run today. And like, he's been like our boss, like f- he's not anymore, but like he, he was like our boss and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like a working relationship more than a family relationship. And it's just like, and like, like I tell that like the frustration in my brother was like, you know, at some point we're going to lose them. And I feel like we'd, we've never really got to know them like we're quite close with our with with our mum she messages us like on every day on whatsapp and stuff she's really communicative and um yeah it's just like it's just mad when you really think about all these little signs that happen across the period of you know a few years or whatever they will add add up don't they Mm. and they start making you realize things but again bottling up things is is a problem that i struggle with because i'm always looked upon as someone who's in control it's like you know like when I've got so many things to do, like even just to the point of I've like, I'm the one who's in control of this podcast setup, for example, it, I've always like when, and then I've got a busy schedule and I'm got all these things in my head and all that. And there's, there's no point in me reaching out to anyone because it's only me that understands how to get it all sure. going and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So sometimes it's like that burden of responsibility and that I get busier and busier and all I can really do is just keep plowing on. Mm. And um, and it's that kind of bottling stuff up. So then when something does go wrong, I continue to bottle that up as well. Yeah. And then I get frustrated, like something bad happens or like, I don't know, just I've had, you know, incidents or bad or problems, things that took, that's really took my stress to the limit. Mm. And then you get, you get these thoughts, don't you? Like, oh, you know, I could just make that, I could make that, make that all disappear. Yeah. And they're just like mindless thoughts about you be driving. I could just let go of the wheel yeah and it's like and and it's like that i think a lot of people probably have those kind of mindless thoughts but like i don't know it's just a lot to unpack isn't it there there, that ultimately comes out it's a lot more common than people think i remember one of the most memorable lectures i have ever had at university is when we're doing an ocd lecture and he walks in and he played intrusive thought bingo and obviously i've walked in to see these horrendous things on the sheet in front of me so (laughs) throwing a baby down the stairs swearing in church i'm so like 
Okay, interesting. And he goes, tick all these things you ever thought of. And a lot of us ticked a lot more than you realise. And he holds up his. He's ticked nearly all of them. He goes, I have a kid. I love my kid more. Obviously, I'm not saying I don't have a kid to clarify, but he was saying, I'm you know him. About. Bombshell. Bombshell. <laughs> yeah, he was saying he, was, he has a kid. And he was um, speaking out every day. He looks at his kid and he thinks, I could throw you downstairs. But not because he wants to, but he. I think it's part of your body processing. What's the worst thing you could do at this moment? Like you driving, you think about, what happens if I took all of that? So I, I've heard people talk about this exact thing in the past because I've had it for years and I was always thinking it was only me. Like I'd have really important meetings and I'd be sat, sat in a boardroom across the table from an important person. I'd just be, all I'd be thinking in my head whilst they're talking is I could throw my mug of coffee all over them or I'd be... What would happen? Yeah, and, or I'd be at a checkout and they'd be putting my stuff through and I'd be like, I could punch you in the face right now. And it's all the, or I'd just be having a conversation with someone and I'll just be thinking really like inane bad things. But <coughs> apparently what it stems back to is essentially these are all things that your brain, the fact that you're thinking these things and you know that they're wrong is, is a good thing mm. because ultimately it's, if you didn't think they were wrong and you acted on them, then you'd, you'd probably be in a bit of trouble. You would be, yeah. you would have a problem. But the fact that you're thinking about them and your body, your mind is processing them saying this is a bad thing is actually okay. Do you think it's like intrinsically processing emotions? So it's almost like, oh, I'm so cross right now. I'd love to punch that person in the face. And you almost like yeah. project it in your head and you're like, ah, that's enough. I don't even think it's rage. I just think they're irrational thoughts. Well, me it's rage. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, ultimately, like I said, it comes down to the intrusive thoughts of typically processing what's the worst thing you could do right now. But also you kind of question, well, why not if I process this mentally, then I don't need to do it because I've already discovered the outcome in my head. Mm. So you think about what would happen if I threw the cup of coffee over someone. Say, so, well, rather than finding out, let me think about what would actually happen. Yeah. So now you don't need to find out. So the intrusive yeah, yeah. thoughts almost being put to the yeah. side. But um, I think one of the interesting things that Michael raised was obviously your relationship with your father being, like you said, your friends, but you respect him. I think also, that's also been quite a big thing because obviously you flip around and say, Chris, do you respect your dad? Yeah, of course. I, yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. I think that that's... It's tricky because I think I'd rather have a relationship with my dad that where I respected him, even if we weren't that close. The thing is, at the end of the day, my father is still been a, a, like a brilliant dad, mm. and what he's done in providing for my brother and I, and you know, he's always put us first, and he's had his, he's had a good life and stuff. He's still like he still does his rallying and racing cool. stuff now, um, which is good. My mum's a bit of a recluse at times, so I'm always glad that my dad still gets out and does his, has his friends and does stuff which he has passions in life because I, th I think that's very and important I, and I really respect that as yeah, well yeah. I'm, I'm envious of his hobby because I'd love to do it as well but um, but yeah so I have nothing but like the fact the way he is is simply because if you met his parents my grandparents you totally understand why he is the way he is so I have literally no like I don't like feel any bad have any bad feeling whatsoever for how he is as a person and the same for my mum because like they both there if you look at their parents and their upbringings like my mother doesn't speak to her sister anymore like they've effectively parted company a couple of years back after their mother died when they when my mum's mum died her sister then like a week later on the phone said to her i don't want anything to do with you anymore just out of the blue. Just out of the blue. That and must be so hard to process. Yeah, my mum still struggles with it now. I, I would too, because you wouldn't got no closure. She was je she was always very jealous of my mum because she was had a more successful life and ha more happiness and so on and so forth. So it's maybe a projection of insecurity oh, it, on her behalf. It really was, yeah. But like all these things that affected my parents, like my father's upbringing, my mother's and so on. So I don't feel any bad thoughts about how they have... They've been great parents. 
Um, obviously, they have affected me in my own unique way, and I am the way I am. But at the end of the day, we're all just products of, you know, our environments and so on. So it's so there's all these million different factors that contribute. Like when you look at a family tree, there's like a it's just one big process of contributions to like how people are as people and their human nature and stuff. It's just mind blowing when you unpack it all. Well, I think yeah. it's interesting because, again, I, I think to an extent is one of the big differences between us, I think, is almost like uh sensitivity like I'm, I'm openly admit i'm a really sensitive guy i would say we almost go in like almost like a bit of a triangle more mid least sensitive not in okay. a disrespect but I, I would say you're you're not massively sensitive you're not massively but I emotional would, i would counter that by saying that it's simply because i'm i bottle it well that's mm. thing it, it, it's the like, it, it ability to speak that's i'm the same as you like sometimes you, yeah, my, yeah yeah it's it, people look at me and say oh you're just very like straight I, down the line and so i know like, you bottle it because we've had conversations about pride and pride and then then you'll say something I'm like there we go yeah you got something my <clears throat> ability to try and make it appear like i've got my shit together yeah, is same. just so heightened after years of having to do that and and like yeah. i'm deeply deeply insecure like the reason i go to the gym is because aren't i'm insecure oh we all yeah so like and the reason that i like put so much effort into my appearance and you know staying you know trying like after my music career stops and everything <clears throat> no, no longer feeling relevant and, and cool anymore kind of has been hard well to flip around is i although you may not necessarily see yourself as relevant and cool i do in the sense that when yeah, i talk I about yeah I, yeah I see i'm happy in saying i'm sure mike won't get upset me saying this when i think about fashion almost being cool i deem you to be the cooler and more fashionable one of all three of us that's, oh, yeah. that's such a superficial thing though. but you say it's superficial but in my eyes it stems beyond just how you look it also stems into what you've achieved so when i see when i know what you because i've known you for eight years now yeah. i know how hard you've worked i know what you've achieved and i still find that inspiring because when i think about like my work with tf now i always think about what are the two people i kind of work with what are they achieving i see mike putting together gyms and building his own business i'm like i want to do something like that he's inspired me i look at you who's already established something and has created a successful company that's busy i think about what's about chris's work ethic i need to match his mm. do you mean that way i i see it as almost like a means of taking a challenge from how inspiring i find you both so although you may not see yourself as something, I can tell you from but my then, perspective, I, I do. But then equally, I'm, you know, I turn it around and say, look at what you've achieved with your YouTube and your personal development with your career and everything. You're only at the beginning of something, really. And mm. I, you know, I think I'm very, you know, envious of the trajectory that you're on. I think it's great. Well, hopefully, I do appreciate that. Thank you. It's just, but I that's the, we'll that's the thing. Ultimately, <coughs> the fact that, the fact that we don't, pat each other on the back more regularly just because it's not a man thing to do to kind of lift each other up is it yeah. let's be honest mm. because we don't do that well it's com competition it's almost yeah. ingrained in us isn't yeah, it no I, I would agree i would agree like you look at the way that uh women often are with each other on social media they're all very complimentary about how you know like, like aesthetically yeah. and they like, lift which each I other love, up which, which i think is brilliant yeah and it annoys me like you get some guys that are really like like look out look out for each other but then not many mm. like I, I, yeah and I ultimately that. because you know it's the, it's the kind of it's the gym mentality like i was at in in manchester uh today and yesterday and i went to pure gym in manchester and busy very busy pure gym massive massive gym it was filled with people and um i just felt like everyone was just lick, like all the guys especially were kind of side-eyeing me yeah yeah and it's just that kind of classic kind of 
like competitive nature that guys have in the sense that it's almost good and bad it's one of the things of there's almost a competitive element where you always want to do better than people you're with but also flip around and that could contribute to us not complimenting each other enough but then flip around if god forbid something ever happened i would feel confident in calling both of you and saying i need help and i know you'd both mm. be there mm. so i think it it's competitive in the sense that we maybe don't show a side of ourselves that we probably should but also our value towards each other regardless of whether we express it is there yeah. obviously i value both tremendously and i know you value me too it's tricky because again i think it very much comes down to how you're raised and which what you said about your dad being a certain way because his parents were a certain way yeah it's you know sometimes it's unfair to i mean i only it depends on the circumstances like at the end of the day if your parents do terrible things then there's only so much you can lay blame on how they were brought up because you still have a decision to make at any stage of your life when you do something i agree i agree but like just very like just how your characteristics were that as you like my my dad will openly say he's not like a like a big people person. He's not like a he couldn't you know stand in front of a room and he couldn't well he couldn't do this. Let's yeah, say yeah. he couldn't perform or anything. He's a very insular character, but you know he still has his friends and he still he still managed to be a successful businessman and meet. Like we always used to say when we'd go visit customers together when we were kids, like he'd be the life and soul in front of customers. But yeah. you get home and suddenly like he's a completely Closed different off. person. And so you know it's just how it is. I think what you said there about not almost being able to like blame someone's upbringing of how they behave. I think it's quite an interesting one because again, it goes back to the issues I have with my dad is that I don't know whatever happened. I don't know anything about my dad's childhood. He would never tell me. But all I know is that from speaking to someone in the family who was essentially being his therapist for a while, um, from her understanding after 30 years as a therapist, whatever, she always stated that he had probably the most traumatic childhood of anyone he's or anyone she's ever spoken to. I have no idea what I know is that his dad was blown up essentially at his bomb disposal um, in the war was blown up he survived but who knows what trauma is that going to that's going to cause then ultimately I think that probably contributed to a lot of the behaviors that he would then carry forward and then contributed to the trauma I experienced but the the reality Mm -hmm. is is I I give him credit somewhere in the sense that the one thing he I think he did really well was he was always emotional and open about emotions in the sense that I remember one of my earlier memories of him is after the divorce obviously you've just divorced from your wife despite why it happened you're probably gonna be in a bit of a shit mental state i remember staying at his, i wasn't meant to stay at his house but i stayed at his house that weekend and he was passed out on the sofa i didn't know why obviously i'm young obviously he later told me that he he feels like at that time if i wasn't if i didn't stay around like i wasn't meant to he probably would have taken his own life and he was passed out because he was drunk and i put him to bed and but it's the fact that he was able to tell me that by the way if you weren't there i probably would have killed myself I think mm. it's quite almost like I can commend him for that, especially after the trauma he's been through. But then flip around the other way is that I feel like because of that trauma, although it may explain certain behaviours of his, it doesn't, I don't think it justifies. And one of the big issues I always found is my dad's like emotional instability. And the sad reality is, is him and I share that quite heavily, is that he would flip from being happy to sad to this to that, literally flick of a switch. He would go from being in a great mood to suddenly gone really quickly like and it was almost like anxiety like bi- bipolar vibe yeah but, I, but i'm the same I, but that, that's annoying it's like people i've kind of stayed with or people i've like like for example um katie said it before who's my housemate that she at times find it hard to live with me because i literally flick like a switch and she she has to like almost unwind and settle or when she's going through like happy to sad or whatever but with but when i flick she just can't process how it's just gone from being like really miserable to suddenly absolutely fine bless 
which mm. is why I think like the self harm is still an issue because it's extremes. Yeah, because because it, it, I don't have time to process what's happening before it's happened. It's suddenly I flicked. I've done something, then I flip back and like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I almost, because it's so quick, I haven't processed like or thought about it. Mm. Um, but no, it's, it's just it's interesting. I think. I know. I think the the topic of mental health, despite maybe differences in upbringing, I think it's quite empowering that we're able to speak about things. And but also we all share very different experiences. Like for example, Mike going to China. I can only imagine how much of a turmoil that must have had on you. I'm not so you've never told me it has or hasn't. But I, I assume if that were me, I'd find that really, really stressful because you went through a lot of shit out there. Yeah, I mean it was a. It's, I thought I worked hard until I moved out there. Then I yeah. realized what hard work was, and I think that formed part of my identity a little bit of who I was. Like I, I was known as someone that would just hustle and just work and work, and I'd outwork everyone. But I do think that was obviously fueled a little bit by my my need to try and prove something to someone all the time. But you know, similar to some of Chris's um, kind of upbringing, like my family. I don't know, like they, they bottled things up a lot. Like I only really saw my dad kind of indulging in things. Like he'd almost be like, almost I deserve this. I need to indulge something myself. And it would almost be like, but when do we get to spend time as a family? When do we do something together? And I think I definitely adopted those behaviors in my early 20s. I very much was like spending money on credit and just doing, buying things, mainly just for the rush of buying something and just feeling good yeah. because i was just like i want to indulge because i've earned this and it probably wasn't until i got into my it wasn't until i went to china and i thought actually i'm just going to work now i'm going to get my head down and work i'm not going to go around and splash money and just try and live a lifestyle that i actually can't afford the fact that you went to a completely alien place to you meant that there was no need to keep those kind of yeah. those 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 behavioralisms present because there was no one there to experience them you were suddenly on your own well i don't need to do all this stuff anymore i can you know mm. just get on with what i came here to do yeah it was like every day was a constant exposure to like this is your comfort zone now you're gonna step out of it almost every day for nearly a year and it was like enormous growth um i mean it, i mean it was lonely like my granddad got extremely ill um he's passed away now sadly a couple of years ago but he was very ill when i was out there and that that was the first time i missed my family i'd probably say that i rarely missed home at all growing up like I actually enjoyed spending a lot of time on my own like I, I didn't really like I said we were four people in the same house we weren't really a family so I used to actually enjoy spending time on my own I still to this day enjoy spending a lot of time on my own because I've I know I have a family and there's only one or two members of my family I'm actually close to like I don't speak to my mum not because she's done anything wrong it's just our relationship has grown apart to the point where we don't communicate anymore I don't know who she is she doesn't really understand me she's a wonderful woman but, you know, she doesn't know anything about me. It would be like, how's work? She doesn't really understand what I do. She doesn't understand anything. It's just how's work. And I, I'll be honest with you, being an adult, I got I thought to myself, well, I make time out of my day to go spend time with these people. They don't really take an interest in what I do. It is now becoming inconvenient to come and spend time with these people. And as harsh as it sounds, I'd rather go spend time with my friends who understand me and know know me and will know when something's wrong rather than just talk about the mundane i got bored of talking about the same shit all the time um and then with my dad it's kind of the opposite my dad's always got something to talk about to the point where he's always got something to say and it always becomes a bit of a conversation where you know putting him on blast a little bit here where it goes back to like him and then it got to the point where i stopped opening up 
because I was like, I could literally say anything and he's just waiting to talk at me for whatever he wants to say next. That's a very familiar thing. Like with talking to when one of the reasons I don't really talk to my mum about problems in my life is because she's got her own problems Mm. and she'll always outdo me. So therefore, like I'll say that something that's bothering me and then, it, oh, well, that's, oh, you, well, you think you've got problems sort of thing. And it yeah. spins spins back around. It's like, do you know what, what's the point? I just can't. There's it no point. becomes like my cat's packer than your cat situation. I'm just found myself just being like, but now I've learned that like, I like spending time, especially with my dad and my stepmom. Like my stepmom is an iconic woman. She's incredible. Um, and she puts up with my dad, which is just amazing in itself. But I now find myself, I can spend a few days with them. I do the pleasantries. I like to spend time with my stepmom. She's a successful businesswoman. She's an inspiration to me. She's a mentor in some way to me as well. Um, but yeah, with my dad, it's, it's a case of like, you know, it's always the hardships. Oh, we've got to fly to Milan to go and do this thing. And I'm like, dad, you're living like a great life. Say, you have yeah. a very successful business. Um, it's all going very well. But it, And then unfortunately, my aunt's kind of the same. So when they're all together, my Christmases are literally the adults sat around talking about their own opinions about things like they are running the country and i'm just sat there being like does anyone want to talk about something else like i don't mm. really want to sit here and gas myself up and then when my nan was still alive the three of them it was even worse like it was yeah. just the three people in the conversation and then the rest of the people in the room would just exist and that would be it and that was so what what we've established is that our parents definitely have contributed <laughs> to a lot of our <laughs> situations yeah a little per- bit more. and from personal perspectives anyway yeah, yeah. i think just quickly just because I feel like it's unfair, I should say that a couple of years ago when I was really kind of mentally struggling with stuff, like I was saying, talk to my brother about it and he did talk to my mum about it. She did reach out to me and say, you know, you can talk to me. Well, yeah. Because at the end of the day, she, you know she loves you. You yeah. know she cares. So, but but, the, just, but yeah. I wanted to just highlight the fact that, yes, I have, you know, obviously said about my relationship with them, but now I think about it, there are times when they they are they are still there for me ultimately and I do feel blessed to have that. I think yeah. it's good that you can acknowledge that even if it's not maybe as, as common as you would like it to be. Yeah. It, it's one of the things that the same kind of applies here is that... I know ultimately that if there was shit in my life, I could go and talk to my parents about it and they'd yeah, totally be good. there for me. And I, I would like I'm, to say the same with my dad. Yeah, so yeah. we're blessed in that respect. But ultimately, they have fucked us up growing up. Yeah, but again, it's was, it was one of the things that it's never intentional. And no, this, exactly. <laughs> this, that, um, I can't remember who the poem's by, um, but it's very simple one about parents Uh, I'll just take the moment just to kind of say Mm. a similar sentiment like my dad especially now he's gotten older he's definitely reached out a lot more to say I love you I miss you which even now like he texted me the other day I haven't texted him back yet and it's just because that's just how we are yeah we are and you know he said like you know I miss you I've been thinking about you it'd be nice to see you at Christmas those kind of things and like my dad has gotten better at it but where our relationship isn't very father son it is very much he was always felt like my bank manager do you know what i mean like he when it, the things that really hurt me about our relationship you know and i have kind of said this to him actually already is when i really really needed you you just didn't step up it wasn't like yeah. he didn't think wrong he wasn't selfish he, it's almost like he didn't know how to step up he just wasn't quite present yeah and like yeah. he didn't know just that i needed he didn't know what i needed and i felt like if he knew me better he would have figured that out but then in some cases i feel like uh, parents feel a little bit powerless because like they, they don't really have the answers so therefore they just avoid it yeah I think there are a couple of like points I want to bring up 
Um, do you have the poem thing? Yeah, first? the poem. We'll do yours first. I've got a it is just kind of like a tongue-in-cheek par- parental poem, but it is Philip Larkin. I thought it was. It's called "This Be the Verse," and it says, "They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in their turn by fools in old-style hats and coats, who half the time were soppy, stern, and half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man." It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. I Good reading, though. Yeah, nice really good. reading of that. It was quite therapeutic. That was key stage level three. But Philip Larkin's a good poet. To be he honest. is. I, I mean, do remember him, actually. It's one of those things of, despite how much damage parents may have caused, intentionally or not, it, a couple of things that come, come, come into it is, despite, obviously my issues with my dad however as i said i don't really see myself as happy a dad anymore i said this to my sister because we because she's still obviously in contact with him and i kind of said this from the start i said despite me not having a dad anymore if in the future he needed support because he was getting old and needed someone to look after him i said i would still be there mm. regardless of me not mm. having seeing him as a dad right now when when he needs it if I, like be that to go into a home to look after him i will still just be bigger, there right oh, yeah. definitely yeah, yeah. The, the thing because definitely. if he's got for he's on his deathbed or something i may not have contact with him for 20 years but i will st- if if i get a call from my sister saying dad needs you i'll still turn up and, and that's, that's a promise i made to her that's testament to you and your character ultimately so well it's what you said i think if well, you you say a lot as well it's uh knowing kind of which which hill to die on sort of thing yeah definitely and it comes down to a couple of things i want to bring up is one of them's uh tolerating behaviors and the other one's uh, how exposure can influence our behaviors and the first one being tolerating behaviors is this kind of it's going to be a kind of i guess a, just a free conversation is it, when i decided to no longer speak to my dad i had the conversation with my mom i said i'm done i said I, i've tried i really have and i've called it here and my mum's response to me, she doesn't fully understand, but she's trying to, was, your dad's always been like this. Um, his behaviours will never change. He will always be who he is. You just have to tolerate him as he is and and accept that that's just who he is and, lo- and love him for it. So then I flipped the question around to her. I said, Mum, when did you and Dad divorce? She said, oh, 20-something years ago. I said, why, why did you divorce? Why didn't you tolerate him? <laughs> and she goes, oh, he cheated me, did this. I said, but mum, that's just who dad is. You have to, you know, he's always been like that. You have to love his behaviours and tolerate his behaviours and love him for who he is. To which she obviously responded, fair enough, shut up. Um, <laughs> but it, it, the, I begs the question to you, both of you, because I have my thoughts on this. I'll share them later. But do you think just because someone is a parent or a family member, you have to tolerate their behaviours even if they're harmful to you? Because a lot of people struggle with that. I can't cut off my dad or my mum because they're my mum and dad. Like, do you think that's... I think it ultimately depends on the level of the harm it has on the person. Agreed. Ultimately, like, you know, you, all the bad... You know, I haven't really said very bad things about my parents other than the fact that, you know, they are how they were. But don't really feel like at any stage they've had detriment to my mental health other than the fact that they've kind of just formed my own kind of how I carry myself I suppose it's like Mm. you know yeah sometimes they were you know firm-handed because they were old school but I think that's normal for our generation though it's a generational thing not so much now but I think back in the day you're getting hit by your parents is sadly was quite common the smacking stick yeah um but yeah so um no I guess it ultimately depends there are levels to this and therefore how how it 
if ultimately you can look inside yourself and say, I will be happier if I detach myself from that situation. A friend of mine um, changed their name and basically disowned their parents and their sister because of a uh, breakdown in relationship and a terrible upbringing. And they didn't do this until like they were late 20s. Mm. So, and I believe they had a close relationship with the sister, but ultimately um, it just clearly got to a, a it came to a head and, and this person just ultimately decided I can't do this anymore and walked away from their family, changed their surname and basically declared I, you know, I'd have no family. It's interesting because that that's something that's obviously not an abrupt behaviour. That they've probably thought about that for a long time. I just, I mean, it, uh, you know, people that knew this person were obviously surprised by it. But ultimately, it takes. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to do Agreed. that. Agreed. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think they've had counselling subsequently, yeah. and I think you know, ho- hopefully, they're on a path to you know where they want to be in life. Um, but that also opens us up to talking about counselling in general, like how many people actually get counselling. Yeah. And I think if you look at other countries like America, everyone's got therapists and so on, it's pretty normal. But in this country, like, again, because of how we are as a nation of people, we are look, we kind of look down our noses on people that, uh, well, p- historically have see it as a weakness to go to someone for psychological therapy of any sort. Which is a real shame because one of the first things you kind of said there about the... Uh it's about how much someone hurts you sort of thing, which I thought was like a really mature and very sensible outlook on it. Because I would very much align with what you said, going back to the initial topic of um, how much do you tolerate? Again, because I know I've had people message me saying, my parents treat me like this, I, but I can't do anything because they're my parents. Well, at some point, just because they're your parents, if they're harming you to the point where it's unacceptable and you can't tolerate it, I think it's fair to say, you, everyone has their limits, everyone has their mm. boundaries. I think, um, I think a lot of people <clears throat> will just extract themselves from the situation, whether they, they're not going to necessarily disown their family, they're just going to spend a lot less time with them and only see them very sparingly. Obviously, it depends on the how old you are and whether you have to live with them. You don't obviously have to live with them. There's always other options, I assume. Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, but it, it, there are levels to how much you take yourself away from a situation, I, I guess. So you'll have people that don't get on with their parents um, and they just don't talk to them or see them very often and that's their way of dealing with it, I suppose. Oh, that's me. Yeah, they, I was going to say, that sounds like someone <laughs> yeah. I know. That's that's me. I, okay. I don't I haven't disowned them. I love my parents. Of course, And yeah. like the same as what you said, like if they needed me. You'd be there. I'd be there for them, 100%. Yeah. But ultimately, you're not in a hurry to spend time with them. No, and I think they know that now, and I just think it's one of those things where it's just unspoken. I think my mum understands like my life has moved on. Like my mum's remarried now; like she's got a new life, and I'm happy for her. That's good. Like, and yeah, I was actually nice. happy when my parents divorced because it's fairly obvious for a number of years they they weren't happy. But a lot of a lot of co- uh, married couples aren't. My yeah. one of my best friends, for example, he, he says his parents say, "I love you as a friend, but I don't love you any more than that," and they sleep yeah. in separate rooms, but they stay together because. Com- it's companies companionship yeah. and, I, and my parents were like we stayed together for you i mean my brother were like we didn't want you to yeah literally <laughs> literally as they're like you know what, i'd rather you, want you to be well, my, divorced and happy than together and miserable yeah. my my parents like berate each other still to this day and but then my dad will go away for a weekend rallying in belgium or somewhere and my mum will like message saying oh the house feels really lonely yeah and, well, and it would it's still companionship at the mm. end of the day well the thing is I guess, well, I guess obviously chris touched on therapy but i kind of want to before we go into that topic which will probably be the last big topic of of the mm. of today i want to get mike's opinion what i asked about is how much how much do you think 
you should tolerate before you you take action when it comes to like behaviors of parents or whatever do you think just because someone's a family member you should accept them as who they are for the rest of your life or do you feel like there is a cutoff point where you, at one point you say you've you're now harming me too much i can mm. step away from this so what are your thoughts on that a short answer is yeah you can 100 percent cut them out if you want to but mm, i i align with what chris has said which is i think it's a very individual and it depends on the trauma like the, the or, or the you know what's what's happened like you know if someone's wronged you um then you know maybe you can freeze them out a little bit but if they actually put you through something which is horrendous at like, the end of the day some i'm yeah. oh, sorry to cut you off That's but right. like you get you can see abusive relationships yeah, absolutely yeah and ultimately if it's not abuse and if it's just just mismanagement almost yeah yeah no i get that then you yeah. know that's that's for me that's where the level level lies definitely no yeah. no I, and i sounds like it sounds like at no point like as much as mike doesn't like spend huge amounts of time with his family doesn't sound like they they were abusive in any way they just kind no, of they just weren't you know incredible weren't like it's like What's, an elephant was in the room yeah. and we all needed to address like, guys, we don't get on, do we? Well, no, it's they not weren't even, it's really not, present enough. That's how, that's how I felt it's about it. It's not even not getting on. It's just like, no one's really making an effort here. Let's be honest. Yeah. And, and and we didn't get on really. We didn't really know each other. Like me and my brother were very close until we got into our teens and then we just drifted apart. And then I went yeah. to uni and that was kind of, for me, that was actually probably the nail in the coffin. In you start your new life almost. Yeah. Like, and I went away and my parents were very excited and very proud of me. And, and then I just found myself like, I don't miss them. And then I felt guilty about that. And then I stopped feeling guilty about it. And now I get to a point where at 32, if I don't want to spend time with someone, I don't spend yeah. time with them. Which I, just, I think is really mature. I've yeah. had to do that with friendships. <coughs> uh, even you know, in recent years, I've had to basically end friendships because I didn't feel like it was a, a fair two-way exchange. No. So I had to call yeah. time on friendships because it's like, this isn't working for me. Mm. And I'm, it's making me sad and stuff. So... I've always been one of these people who gives 100% to a friendship and I get, f you know, if it's not coming back the other way, then I feel like it's having a negative impact. And I, it, it, you know, I understand everyone has their own lives and so on, but you have to sometimes be able to walk away from something that's not having a positive impact on your life. Because yeah. I'm bringing all this, I'm trying to... <coughs> Uh, bring positivity mm. to other people's lives and and then or if it's just being absorbed and nothing's coming back then and I, that's that stems yeah. from like family life and so on I, i'm the same like i actually go despite everyone thinking sometimes i'm very closed off i actually go 100 percent into a friendship and yeah. then but i now as i get older i pull back quicker so if i notice like hang on a minute, this person is literally making zero effort here I need I don't I don't need to be surrounded by people that don't want to spend time with yeah. me. That's fine. They also everyone doesn't have to like me. That's okay as well, but I definitely want to spend more time with people that do and find those people quickly and and kind of invest in those relationships. I was quite lucky um myself with my growing up with my brother and everything because we joined the we formed the band together when I was like 16. He's yeah. 4 years older than me and he included me in that he my brother's always included me in his life throughout growing up which is unusual because sometimes it's almost a burden normally yeah, to, yeah but he always included me growing up and therefore I was part of the music career trajectory that we had together for 10 years we then ran the business we still run the business together now we still have the same group of friends and everything so he's been a constant in my life and I'm very lucky to have that so you know we're all we're all lucky in different ways, I suppose, or unlucky as the case may be. Yeah. So sometimes you do have to take a step back and look at some of the positives that surround you, I guess. Absolutely. I think it's interesting how, although we may have different like 
maybe approaches and kind of levels of sensitivity or open sensitivity or openness, we all have very similar values and beliefs regarding tolerance of behaviors, et cetera, et cetera, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah. And I think as well, like I, I've definitely gotten better as I've gotten older at being less selfish and being like, what's the other person going through? Like now yeah. I don't have such a visceral reaction when someone quote unquote wrongs me. My first initial thought is why are they okay? Like they may be going having a bad day. And I do find myself saying that to more and more people when they come to me and say, This is really annoying, this is really pissing off this person, that to like a prick. I'm like, have you considered maybe they're going through something as well? Not to invalidate that, you know, you shouldn't feel wronged, but you know, let's contextualize it a bit. And then actually you find out that when you talk to the person, it's like, Yeah, I just came in, I just literally got off a call with someone that just pissed me off. I just mm. came through and you were the first person, you just got the full front of it. Yeah, in the firing lines. And then actually now that I've calmed down, I'm sorry. And actually instead of you then going around and getting all cross about it, that person says sorry. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, great. Actually there wasn't a problem and do you want to talk about it? Yeah. I think No, it's definitely interesting. I think the last Obviously, we want to move on to the Q&A soon. Yeah. Actually, we could tie this into one of the questions because it goes back to what you said about therapy, but we could tie that into one of the questions I've got saved. Yeah. So as long as everyone's okay, should we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like we've kind of uh, expunged a lot of personal shit. Definitely. There. Yeah, I don't want to overly waffle. Phone yeah. calls, I think. So, <laughs> this. so I've got three three kind of questions. We won't... I'll try not to keep them too long. Keep them less, keep them brief, um, yeah. But this goes on to what you said about therapy, and I want to give my thoughts and opinions on therapy as well from this. It says, um, Lucy asks what stops men going to therapy so i think it would be wise if we all give our opinion on that but then we can also go on to what you spoke about regarding therapy it's the stigma yeah I, Sim- I was- it's just quite simple it's a stigma attached to it and i feel like ultimately right now what we're doing this is therapy in a, yeah, no, yeah. Of a sense mm. and yeah, being, being able to expunge get things out is therapy and i think ultimately what takes it to a professional level is doing exactly this but to a professional who can absorb that information process it and help you deal with it Mm. and that's all the difference is really so if we can do this now then why can't people acknowledge the fact that it might be easier to do it to us someone they they don't know maybe maybe it's a better you know because if you can't if you can't do it with the friends closest to you which fair enough might be you don't want to show weakness or just how your life is then the next best thing or even better still is to go talk to a professional mm. I, I think like therapy something i've kind of i went to therapy the first time when i was like five or six years old last time i went to therapy was l- beginning of last year for the rehab stuff um but i think therapy can be really helpful in fairness to me I, a lot of the times i went to therapists it wasn't that helpful because i think i was almost responsible for a lot of my own feelings not in the sense that i didn't think wrong but i was the one who could really make a change which i was not i was expecting them to make the change for me which you can't but i think one of the big things therapists can do is they can help you understand is that one of the things i found like just an example was was being almost desensitized to trauma so there'd be instances like for, uh like without trying to be too graphic where i've seen people cut themselves quite severely and quite drastic like i mean hospital worthy in front of me during, during like a breakdown and I kind of I remember asking my therapist once is although it's obviously upset why did that not traumatize me why did that not do something why did that not do whatever and he said well you almost, you almost get desensitized to it but it does better allow you to then handle the situation in more mm. of a composed manner but without a therapist I wouldn't have been able to identify that and I thought I, I had a problem I thought something was going wrong with me but in fact it's actually because it's not based uncommon on, 
based on what you said of your own upbringing and and so on and what you've already been through i think you've been exposed to so many kind of like stressful scenarios that you are de- you have mm. been very clearly desensitized which, which i see as a positive but flip around there are some things which i deem to be probably worse scenarios that i will likely never speak about online because it's just something i would not, rather not share that have like happened to me and i've been exposed to but then like i said about finding privilege and mental health is that you can then identify well because you're desensitized you can better handle situations it's and, just acknowledging it really yeah but i think going back to the initial question of like why men struggle with therapy i'm sure mike probably aligned but i think chris nailed it is the stigma mm. men typically in the toxic masculinity world i think people need to be like like encouraged like well done well they, everyone has this idea of speaking about your problems as weak speaking about the problems as vulnerable and sometimes i adopt that mindset unintentionally because i get scared to speak about things but then flip around is that whenever someone speaks about their problems i don't see them as weak or vulnerable i yeah. see them as strong and courageous it's the complete yeah. opposite of what you think is going to happen like if you came to me or you came to me and said I'm I'm really struggling today. I wouldn't be like, wow, that's weak. I'd be like, you know what? Strong of you for doing that because I know how hard that is to do. Mm. And that's why I think conversations like this are important because it does show that I don't think there's weakness in conversations. I don't think there's weakness and vulnerability. But at the end of the day, it's one of the things of, regardless of how you, whether you feel weak, if you need therapy and you need to speak to someone because you are struggling, you need to see speak to someone. I'd rather. I remember. Um, Paddy the Baddy speaking about the UFC, he said you'd rather have a friend cry on his shoulders than find out he then carry his coffin or something. And it's completely true. Of course, it is. Regardless of gender, I think therapy can really help a lot of people. But if you're not ready mentally to deal with a therapist because it's quite hard, it's quite a scary thing, then if you talk to mm-hmm. your friends, talk to your family, mm-hmm. and then go from there. Like, what are your thoughts on why you think men can't go to therapy or struggle to go to therapy? Actually? I think definitely number one is the stigma. Yeah. Because which is weird because it's like you go to a dentist for your teeth you go to a pt to help with your body and dental health month shout out yeah i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) um i think i think a little bit for me is i do see the value in it agreed but i find that i don't know this is probably a little arrogant of me to say really but i do find that I spend a lot of time having a lot of these conversations with myself like I, i sit there and i and i question i go over things in my mind you feel like you're in control yeah, and I know that there's sometimes I'm the not. Same. Yeah, and ultimately it's arrogance to say that I'm dealing with it, but I'm not. But equally, I don't feel I'm arrogant. I'm arrogant if I say, "Oh, I don't need a therapist." I think. Yeah. Every, I think. I think if we all look honestly, I think everyone, literally everyone, would benefit from it. Yeah, even oh, just someone, having someone to talk to yeah. for an hour. Even even if your life is completely a one, going exactly to plan, <laughs> your loving life having someone to just talk to completely external to maybe unpack a few things that you haven't thought about yeah I everyone agree. needs that that's, that's I what I, I that's what i said when i spoke to someone quite recently um not in an official capacity they're, no, they're a therapist so. but we were just talking about therapy and i just said actually I, I wouldn't mind going to therapy because i would be quite interested to see what someone else thinks about how i feel about things and, and unpack that for me a little bit but doing this is like the first step towards that definitely well, that's why I kind of wanted to encourage this conversation is because maybe people will hear this and think, you know, if they can talk about it, we can talk about it too. And immediately, yeah. you know, encourage Ima- conversation. Imagine if you could just basically book in some time where you meet your friends, like your closest friends, and say, right, let's sit and talk. Just about for an hour, just an hour a week. Like, let, mm. Not even that, just like an hour a month where we mm. talk about what's going on in life and stuff and try as a as a group of friends to unpack things and you'll see the support mm. that's there for that. Yeah. Imagine yeah. imagine if people if that was like a, a common thing that people did. Yeah. And I think as like as well, like with one of the reasons why I haven't really gone to therapy yet, and I know it's probably one of the last doors I'll open is because I do try and spend a lot of time growing. Like I spend a lot of time trying to understand myself, learning things, and I think 
sure i've got a lot of stuff obviously in the past i probably need to go and, and unpack a little bit if i'm being completely honest with you but in a way it's kind of also been some of my superpower like and i think part of me is afraid to see if i if i unpack that enough to understand would you lose your drive w- would i lose something that's pushing me forward and actually i need yeah. that more than yeah. ever right now yeah well there's no deadline you go when you're ready if you're not yeah. ready right now i, I completely understand timing it. is key with a lot of this stuff because mm. ultimately you don't want to derail what is a what is a working formula for you yeah, yeah. it's not perfect and i know that and i Nothing think i'm self-aware to know well, that i'm so not that awareness in itself great. is a power is a power yeah. to have yeah not many people can be that self-aware and i no. take myself away if i feel i need a moment harry we've Next got another question, question. Um, this is I've got so we've got two more questions. I won't ramble too much. The benefits of a good gym community for many it's the only in real life social circle they have. Well, first of all, I'm going to say that the gym and getting myself in decent shape was my way of dealing with my own issues. Yeah, and giving me confidence back. Yeah, I think there's a big link between. I mean, we've said that, I think health. we've said this before. Like why we why we're here. Why we I think it was on a previous show some time ago why we do what we do and it comes down to like self-confidence and you know the gym and i've spoken to a lot of people that over the years that have used the gym and bettering themselves physically as a way to combat their weaknesses mentally Mm. and that's that's pretty much it for me yeah what about yourself i would probably say with confidence that the gym community is the reason why i'm still sat here yeah I, because I because i got to a really dark place in my, in my mid-20s where i was like i've made some bad decisions my family don't want anything to do with me not because anything wrong but just that's how my family dynamic as i've already spoken about i didn't have anyone significant in my life i thought to myself oh, i could disappear and no one yeah. would give a fuck and i then started to thought well, you know what i'll do while I'm just in this dark place, I'll just start to help build out a community and I just worked for a chain at the time. And I really started to see the impact that I was having on people's lives. Like I just thought at first, it's just because I'm running your gym that you like me. And then actually they were coming up to me and saying, actually the conversation we had the other day was really important to me, thank you. And to this day, that is the reason why I do what I do. The reason why I train and I coach is because I want to learn more so I can help more people. Helping is a powerful thing. It's what we said about... um, people value how you made them feel sort of thing mm. that kind of applies here i think no i i align that in the sense that i think the gym could be a savior for a lot of people granted it could be cause of a lot of issues for a lot mm. of people i understand oh, that. but um for the same sort of thing i think the gym has always been a consistent element of my life where regardless of how shit i feel and regardless of how like even during periods of wanting and very much contemplating and uh suicide for however many years that went on the gym was still there and but the, regardless of how i felt so out of control regarding my mental state and my happiness or actually my sadness i should say the one thing i always had control over was the gym i can i could choose it's control wanted. yeah and i like being in control that was the same for me control and i think like i i decided to kick the medication and start working towards binning the addiction in the gym i was in the pulsate squat rack and i was just i thought to myself i can't go on like this at the time i just lost my girlfriend due to the uh the drugs and um because she couldn't handle it understandably it's a lot to deal with mm. and i kind of just emotionally cut off as well and just kind of disappeared and then i was just in the gym in the squad i was like i can't do this anymore so my life is ruined it's making everything worse i was on countless medications like seven different five it was five for mental health and two for another like pain stuff and i was like this is not a life to live and then i was just crying in the squat rack and i was like i'm done no more so i got home and bendable mm. and I went from there so i think again i think i think gym community is huge 
because if you can't talk to the people you share a mutual interest with like the people who care about you or care about the same things being like life progression or weight progression whatever it may be well who can you talk to because you walk into the gym regardless of our backgrounds regardless of what you've done in life Mm, commonality yeah you're here because you want to do something for yourself and i will always respect that whether we train differently or whether you train i deem to be incorrectly whatever it may be i will still respect that you are actively making the effort to do something that makes you better and and then if you come to me saying i'm having a shit time i'll probably give you a hug and we'll talk about talk about it yeah if you look at crossfit as one like look at the modality and remove that for a second and think about the fierce loyalty of the community it's like like a family that is like the shared Family. family it is like the shared going through pain the shared experience of going through pain of the workouts mm. it creates this enormous bond yeah where these people will die for their box mm. they will go to every charity event they'll do everything yeah. Yeah, i love that i love that and they wear pain yeah. yeah and they'll wear the they'll wear the uniform they'll wear the identity and they will shout about how their box is the la- is the best box yeah um and that's one thing that i think crossfit has definitely brought into fitness a lot more now is because bodybuilding was just that subculture and now that we have fitness communities everywhere, mm. they look all of them look a bit different, but they are important. And I think if you can find one that you align with, keep it close because it I is it, it can get you through a lot. It's got me through a lot. It still does. I agree. Um, last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the last question is again. I feel like I should probably. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? How to find your own purpose rather than being stuck in routine. I think it's more like finding purpose is quite a big one. We obviously... Mm. I think we could do a whole show on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think if, if we yeah. had to summarize it in like 15 seconds each. What, finding So say the question again. So how to find your own purpose, we should say. How, how to, to find, find purpose. Your own purpose. I think um, purpose comes from happiness. Yeah. So finding purpose comes from like... It's a bit like how I turned hobbies into career paths. Mm. And... A hobby is ultimately something that makes you happy. Um, and it, that happiness then turns that hobby into a passion. And then that passion can take, is a powerful thing. Mm. And passion can give you purpose. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, I think passion, passion drives purpose. And that's mm. like to be, to be truly passionate about something or to get, to be good at something is a brilliant thing. Mm. And also, like, other things, like, getting out of your comfort zone. Like, finding that beautiful sweet spot where you're, where you, like, like, as Mike said, he lived a year out of his comfort zone. Mm. And that's where he probably achieved some of the greatest things. Probably defined him as a person And it well. would define oh, it, you. It changed me. I, I landed so, a different person. So, it's those things. It's happiness, passion, uh being out of that comfort zone and just letting go and that is that's purpose for me what what are your thoughts well i think chris put it really well and i think if you look at when people get older the thing that keeps people around is is having a purpose and some sometimes your purpose can change like depending on the stage of the season of the of your life you're in um but yeah i think finding something that motivates you like a mission it it doesn't have to be anything massive it can just be something you want I've had so many different purposes in, in my lifetime, whether it be the music, whether it be the gym, whether it be business or, and it just shows your purpose, as you just said, can change. It does, yeah, because you and change. And it can evolve, you evolve and you change. And that's the beauty of it is you can repurpose yourself at any point. And I think it's something that gives back to you as much as you put into it. And like yeah. what that can look like is very different for different people. Like you, you, your purpose could be to provide for your family. And then what you get back from that is seeing how happy your family is or something like that. Or you, your purpose could be to 
be the best in something and then what that gives back to you is, is maybe if you want something like you know status or recognition or something i think a purpose just find something that gives you you know gives you something to get up for yeah uh, or something to look forward to or something mm. that makes you happy that you know that that can it can be as simple as that yeah i think it's one of the things that i don't think everyone needs purpose but it's something that i i feel like i need i think i think i think sometimes to say it's people don't need purpose i think purpose is such a scalable thing well, it's a broad spectrum so isn't it? broad mm. Like I said, happiness can be purpose. Like yeah. finding, if you're in search of happiness, then that's a purpose in itself. I think it, it's a couple of things. Of first of all, identify. They always you say is, oh, uh, when I was feeling certain ways, like, oh, you have a reason to kill yourself. So I also don't have a reason to be alive. I think sometimes for me anyway, I need a reason to uh, to be here, a reason to a uh, why. Why do I wake up? Like you said, why why am I alive? Why do I? go about life and need to have that why which comes into purpose but i think when it comes to identifying purpose it, again very much aligning what chris said about finding things that kind of make you tick things that make you happy and a good way i found of doing that was just doing a mind map write your name in the middle of a big piece of paper write your name in the middle and write down everything be that work life whatever it may be that makes you happy dogs training jokes memes everything that just just you'd look at it's like that that's a positive in my life and then you'd identify them put them all together so you're not these are the things and identify the things I really need. So I really need to make other people happy. I really need the gym. Then you can start identifying purpose through a process of shortlisting. And you also get a better idea of more avenues you can consider pursuing, be that mm. career wise, be that whatever it may be. So I need these from my friendships, these from my careers and this from this. Then you can start piecing it together like that. It's good stuff. Hmm. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's success. Again, I think closing thoughts very quickly is I just appreciate that I'm in a position where I can speak to my two of my closest friends about these things and they're willing to also have that conversation with me because despite us maybe having very different upbringings and maybe on paper not being massively similar people, I think we all click quite well. And as as just as humans, I think being able to have this conversation encourages others to do the same. And I just really appreciate you both just taking the time to share your thoughts and just it's your vulnerability, showing mm. vulnerability to me this and to those thing. watching or listening. I've had to deal with doing this entire show have it staring at a penis that you draw on a piece oh, of yeah. paper <laughs> it's, it's, my eye, literally my eyes keep going back to your bloody penis on your piece well of that paper. says a lot about you not a lot about me remember that <laughs> yeah uh. no. but yeah it, um it has been um an honor to have this discussion with you know with you both and i yeah. think you know it's what a great subject to do for an entire podcast yeah it? definitely i agree I think, um, again, goes without saying, if anyone is ever struggling with anything or just wants to vent or talk about anything, either message any of us directly or either message the podcast, Instagram, or message any of us privately. We're always happy and encourage conversation. You can Doesn't always contact us via uh, Pump Fiction Pod on Instagram. Also, the link in our bio on there will allow you to uh, submit anything you want to say on our form uh, on there as well. And we'd love as much contribution of any sort, whether it be uplifting uh, or Abuse. question abusive in my case um, whatever you want but this uh, yeah it's been very good indeed yeah we just encourage the conversation if you ever feel a certain way don't ever feel like you don't have friends to talk to because you always have us and we are your friends yes, we are your friends and on that note friends. I'm going to say thank you and good night and someone's just opened the door <laughs> hey, and that's the perfect perfect thing to walk that's I think us. he was just calling us out to be fair yeah to be fair um, yeah. but yeah this has been uh, Pump Fiction uh, Pump Fiction Pod on Instagram Radical.Mike, Harry underscore TFNL, Chris dot, Chris dot, 
No, Chris. How do you forget your own Instagram? <laughs> Chris D. Fellows. Um, Chris D. Thank Fellows. you for listening. Say thank good night, you. everyone. Good night, everyone. Uh, we're going to hug it out now. Bye. See you later. See you.